Last weekend here on Media Watch, we looked at how our media were at fever pitch over the upcoming coronation of King Charles. And on Midweek Media Watch earlier this week on RNZ National, I looked back at the reaction to the Coronation Day coverage in our media and our Prime Minister getting grilled by the BBC in the UK about republicanism, mecha faithery, and inevitably, this. The sausage roll moment is really cool, actually. Word got round at home, and I get a lot of sausage rolls wherever I go at, at home in New Zealand at the moment, but to be presented them by the King and by the Prime Minister of the UK, uh, that's next level. While the Prime Minister was away in the UK meeting, greeting and snacking, stuff journalist Charlie Mitchell used some downtime to create some images of Chris Hipkins eating sausage rolls using the new generative AI technology. Now, it's called generative because it creates content rather than just being a tool for us to make more ourselves, though no one who knows what Chris Hipkins actually looks like could possibly have believed that Charlie Mitchell's AI images were genuine, and they also conclusively proved that AI doesn't have enough eye just yet to know what a sausage roll is. But German artist Boris Egdelson did pull it off recently when he won a prize at the Sony World Photography Awards for a photo which was entirely the work of AI. He says he did it to find out if competition judges were prepared for artificial images being passed off as real photos. They're not, he concluded. And on the spin-offs media podcast The Fold last week, Business Desk's tech writer Peter Griffin said they're already using AI for their journalism. Business Desk is already using uh, ChatGPT or the, the API to generate market reports. I mean, companies have been doing that for quite a while now, but this has made it that much easier. Um, I think Stuff is employing that. If you have a big publisher like Stuff that has bureaus all over the country, has a massive database of stories going back many, many years, that's a hugely incredible resource. When you take the API for ChatGPT and you start interrogating that database. Yes, it's full of biased information. That's just the nature of news. But in terms of looking for the insights to plan out your future coverage, amazing. Now, on the upside, AI could make some things more efficient for the media, but those spreading malicious misinformation could also benefit from it in a big way. And in the digital age, it's already getting harder to work out what we can trust online and what we need to be wary of. Recently, for example, Twitter, under misfiring supremo Elon Musk, started labelling the accounts of news organisations which he thought might be swayed by the state in their home countries. The BBC and RNZ and other public media institutions objected to the tag government-funded media. Twitter eventually removed all verification from account holders who weren't prepared to pay for it, which solved that problem, but only made it tougher for the rest of us to work out which accounts might actually be misinforming people. And according to New Zealand's biggest survey of our trust in news, which came out recently, 86% of us said we were worried about fake news. And based on recent news, our spy agencies are among them. Spy bosses fronted up to a parliament select committee and in a rare move revealed three cases where the GCSB helped stop potential terror attacks. Worrying stuff there from TVNZ's Kushla Norman reporting on what the GCSB boss reported back to parliament. The acting director general of the SIS also told parliament that malign foreign influence is also being brought to bear on New Zealanders online. This is purely around the state trying to, in a coercive, disruptive, in a covert way, influence the behaviours of people in New Zealand and influencing their decision-making. 
Phil McKee named no names or nations, but his GCSB counterpart Andrew Hampton did when he told MPs that research has shown that in the lead-up to the occupation of Parliament a year ago, Kiwis were consuming more information than people in other countries, and specifically anti-vaccine stuff coming from Russia. What the government could or should do about all this was then put to the Prime Minister, Chris Hipkins. We're not the social media censorship um, agency. Um, the GCSB can identify where misinformation is, you know, is, is coming into the country and so on. But what people choose to share on their Facebook pages or on Twitter um, are matters for each individual to make decisions about. Now, back in March 2018, two former editors in the US started an international service to identify outlets that were hosting and spreading misinformation. NewsGuard now provides credibility ratings and what it calls nutrition labels for significant news and information websites across the US, the UK, Canada, Germany, France, Austria and Italy. And when NewsGuard started to turn a profit two years later, CNN's media correspondent at the time, Brian Stelter, described it like this to his viewers. So what NewsGuard does, it has a set of journalistic standards, uh, a set of criteria that it applies to sites all across the World Wide Web. Using a team of close to 40 employees, the company tries to cut through the noise of misinformation and deception and helps advertisers do that by letting them know when their ads are running on sites full of nonsense. NewsGuard conducted a study that found advertisers were spending nearly $2.6 billion on ads running on hoax sites, in many cases without the advertisers having any idea at all. And since then, NewsGuard has got even bigger and it now has a new mission. Last month, NewsGuard co-founder Gordon Krovitz, the former publisher of the Wall Street Journal, was on the front page of the New York Times calling ChatGPT the most powerful tool for spreading misinformation that there's ever been on the internet. And now NewsGuard is in the vanguard of trying to fix that, effectively by using human journalists to try and teach AI to tell the truth. This month, Australia's Communications Minister Michelle Rowland announced that the regulator there would enact an enforceable industry code against online misinformation if the media industry didn't enforce its own. And the same week, NewsGuard announced it was going to expand into Australia and New Zealand. Well, NewsGuard's co-founder is Gordon Krovitz, and I asked him, how does it work? Will it really help push misinformation out of our media, and can it prune back the profits of those who encourage it? One of the great things about the internet is that everybody can be a publisher, one of the terrible things about the internet is that anybody can be a publisher. And to a news consumer, understanding that a site um, has high standards um, is important uh, as opposed to a site that has low standards. And we observed that there really was no way for news consumers to have any sense of which sources seem generally reliable and which ones seem less reliable. We thought this was a journalistic problem, not really a technological problem. And so we brought to it a journalistic solution, which is to identify nine basic apolitical criteria of journalistic practice. Does a site disclose its ownership, for example? Does it have a corrections policy? And to apply those nine criteria the same to everyone, whether it's a well-established um, operation like Radio New Zealand or a local digital startup um, all get rated the same way using the same nine criteria and can get the same equal perfect score. And we have what we call a nutrition label, which uh, comes alongside the score for news consumers to learn all they want to learn about a source of news that they see in their news feed or in their search result.
So how will this work, Gordon, for a user or maybe an individual who might subscribe to the service or perhaps an institutional user like a library or something else? How will they know that they've gone to a site and how will they be able to get the benefit of uh, NewsGuard having run the the nine values of trustworthiness uh, over their output? There are a few different ways. We work with partners like Microsoft that have integrated our ratings into some of their products. Um, We also have a browser extension. Um, So if you're using Chrome or Safari or Firefox or Edge, uh, consumers can sign up themselves. Um, It's free for people using the Edge browser, by the way. Uh, Just go to the uh, browser extension store and download NewsGuard. And then we have a special program for libraries around the world um, where librarians can download NewsGuard for free. Um, on the computers that patrons use. That's part of our mission to um, spread news literacy as best we can. So if I'm in a library that happens to subscribe, I visit a site which uh, NewsGuard has assessed, what happens? Do I get an alert or something on the screen to say, uh, by the way, the site you're using, we've taken a look at it. It's trustworthiness score on the nine values is not great, this percentage, so beware. Is that what the users will experience? Exactly what they will see. They'll see alongside news stories, a rating for the domain, for the website from which that news story um, came. And that'll be a score from zero to 100. Um, And a user can hover over that score and see a pop-up that describes the site in some detail. And then if they want to learn even more, they can read the full nutrition label uh, which can be a thousand words, sometimes several thousand words, sometimes quite a few thousand words, depending on the complexity of the particular news source. And I guess this isn't, is it a tool that could actually filter out uh, unreliable or low score sites? Uh, it's not, I mean, that would, I guess, leave you open to um, accusations that you're, uh, you know, curbing freedom of speech or, a, or a, you know, an instrument of censorship. Yeah, so, you know, we're all journalists ourselves, so we, of course, oppose uh, censorship in all of its forms. We do work with news aggregators, for example, um, uh, the the biggest global news aggregators, as they consider adding a new source. Is this a generally reliable source? Should they trust stories from that particular source? Should they include it in their aggregation? Um, And so our our ratings are used uh, for that kind of purpose as well. But to a consumer, really, the way to think about this is, you know, uh, Crazy Uncle Willie has shared with me a news story from a source I've never heard of in my Facebook feed. Let me take a look to see what NewsGuard says about it. Oh, my goodness, it got a, you know, a 15 out of 100. Um, Let me find out why that is and maybe let Crazy Uncle Willie know that this source also published some other crazy conspiracy theories. That would be kind of a typical use case for a news card for a news consumer. Yeah, then up to how persuasive you are with crazy Uncle Willie, I guess, whether that uh, has an impact on his uh, news habits into the future. But Gordon, mm-hmm. you've I clearly identified you're working in an area that is uh, clearly an important one because international and, and even domestic surveys of people uh, in this country have recorded around about 70% or so when asked will say, yes, they are concerned about dis and misinformation and flat-out fake news being spread across media. 
in sites that look like news media sites as well as stuff that's not uh, dedicated or, or a known name in news. So clearly something that's that's worrisome. However, if you are one of those 70% that when asked say they're concerned and you you would presumably be acting on that concern if you were concerned enough, as in sourcing your news mainly from outlets that already had a reputation for credibility and for weeding out stuff that wasn't wasn't true. Um, isn't it going to be a bit difficult to sell the service, uh, particularly in the, as you do offer it to individual customers as a subscription, uh, to be concerned enough to actually pay uh, and, and then have the habit of, of using a service when they probably hope that their new services would do this work on their behalf and weed out the bad information before it gets to them? Yeah, and in fact, more than 90% of the people who've accessed to NewsGuard ratings are getting it through an intermediary such as a Microsoft. So uh, it's quite unusual for, for people to download browser extensions. We welcome it, um, but we also are eager to find partners from libraries to um, other uh, enterprises that want to help create a more trusted internet experience for their users. Yeah, so the people uh, who might really benefit from this would be people that kind of have it presented to them when they when they use a service um, that has already become aware of it or or, or a library that, that's already got it on board. That's right. And, and for example, the new um, uh, chatbots, um, I, 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 I'm sure your listeners are intrigued by this new development from uh, companies like OpenAI with their ChatGPT and Microsoft's Bing has Bing Chat. Um, Bing actually uses our data to help train the AI so that if people do a prompt on Bing Chat, they'll often get right in the response to a topic in the news. Um, it will say there are a couple of different sides to this story. Sources A and B say such and such, and sources X and Y say the opposite. NewsGuard says that these sources are generally reliable, and these others routinely publish Russian disinformation or healthcare hoaxes or whatever the case may be. And you know that's uh, 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 just the kind of use of our data that we were hoping for to be able to give people who are curious about a conspiracy theory they might have heard about or a topic in the news, for them to be able to do a quick search and get real context for why they might have heard that conspiracy theory, but also for why it's probably not true. Again, with no censorship involved, just bringing more transparency and better information to news consumers so they can make up their own minds about which sources they'll generally trust and which ones they won't. Yes, just coincidentally, as we speak, um, you know, Google has just launched uh, the the new BARD uh, service. Um, it's been described as, I think, one of the most low-key launches of a Google product ever. So maybe they're still slightly wary of it because I think previous attempts to publicize the service didn't go well when they put it to the test. But now one of these features on it is that it does have an option, a button, uh, Google it. So you see something you want to know more, it gives you the option to Google it. I suppose you would say this is a good thing, Gordon, as it promotes further inquiry into something that might arouse someone's suspicion upon first sight. However, if it just takes them to more stuff that might be misinformation rather than the sort of service you're offering, maybe that's not so great. You've identified the problem perfectly. It it can be a case of misinformation and misinformation out. If, If the AI companies fail to train their models, with the difference between reliable information and unreliable information, then it has the potential 
to be the most severe source of misinformation the world has ever seen. These AI models will create highly persuasive, well-written radio scripts or newspaper articles um, that are written beautifully, perfect grammar, eloquent, and completely false. And the machines don't know the difference unless they're trained with um, with the data. So that's why we're we're quite pleased to be working with Microsoft and Bing, which does use our data to train uh, Bing Chat. We're very concerned about um, services that don't have any training for the AI. They end up repeating uh, misinformation quite regularly. And in fact, just this week, a team of analysts at NewsGuard tested the new version of ChatGPT. That's the one that's gotten a lot of publicity from a company called OpenAI. We tested it on 100 false narratives in the news um, to see how many of those 100 it would spread. And it spread all 100, 100 for 100, uh, which surprised us because the earlier version of that same AI from January, that was called GPT 3.5, only spread 80 out of those 100. So the AI can get even worse as the developers think they're making it better. So I do think that um, misinformation remains a quite serious problem. I'm encouraged that with the right training, machines can do better. And in the meantime, while it's still humans doing most of the work on news literacy, we're delighted to be able to offer more information to news consumers about who's feeding them the news, whether it's in Facebook or on Twitter or YouTube or, or in search. Okay, your reference to persuasive radio scripts being written by the machines there sent a little chill through me, but uh, I've recovered my poise again, so that's all good. Uh, but Gordon, some worrying news in the information here announcing the launch of, of NewsGuard in this part of the world. Almost one in five news sites, says this media release, says NewsGuard, uh, rate, oh, sorry, I'll do that again. Almost one in five news uh, sites that NewsGuard rated in Australia and in New Zealand got untrustworthy scores. Um, this is a higher percentage uh, of engagement with low reliability sites than in the UK, uh, just 15% or Canada, just 4%, but lower than the US, 46%, France, 33%, Germany, 25%. So a bit of a shame that we're on the wrong end of that spectrum. Uh, but how did you or does NewsGuard go about actually assessing uh, the Australian and New Zealand sites? Do, do you actually have, for example, staff based, if not here, then in Australia, actively looking and scrutinising um, big name news sites in this part of the world? We do. And um, what we what we do as we launch in each country is we will have rated all the news and information sources that account for 95% of engagement in each country. Um, and so in New Zealand, of course, that includes, you know, the big broadcasters, the well-known newspapers, but also, you know, much smaller ones. And when we say that almost one in five of the sources get low scores, what we mean by that is that all the, of all the sites that we've rated, all the sites that make up 95% of engagement, of those, uh, about one in five that people in New Zealand are reading, get a quite low score from us and a warning to proceed with caution. One in five is a large number, but as you pointed out, Colin, it's far below the United States, which is at a whopping 46%, or France, which is at 33%. Uh, New Zealand and, and Australia are um, about one in five. 
And as you mentioned, the UK is at about 15% and Canada, lovely Canada, uh, 4%. Well, I've seen some sample assessments for Australian news sites, for example, The Conversation, which is um, funded by and contributed to by uh, universities and their academics, and you'd hope they would get a high score, and they do, because it's quite rigorously done and uh, obviously using people of experience and intellect to create the content. Another site, 360 Info, uh, also has a, a quite public mission in mind. It gets a good score. But in the future, will we be able to see uh, NewsGuard's similar assessments of big names in the New Zealand market, like, for example, uh, the New Zealand Herald and its online output, or our own at uh, RNZ Radio New Zealand, um, along with others that pass that uh, threshold of uh, 95% of the news engagement? Well, I'm very pleased to be able to tell you that Radio New Zealand has a 95 out of 100. There's one criterion, um, I think, having to do with um, giving information about your uh, content creators um, that, that you miss, but 95 out of 100 is a very high score. There are sites in New Zealand that um, are quite similar in ways uh, that we've seen around the world, which is they'll take a name that sounds like a like a trusted source, but they will alter it just a little bit, and then they will publish misinformation. So one of the sites we rated in New Zealand, for example, is called the Daily Telegraph, not Daily Telegraph, the one based in London, but dailytelegraph.co.nz, which is unrelated to the well-known Daily Telegraph and publishes uh, Russian disinformation. It reprints articles from RT and Sputnik, which are both Kremlin-operated uh, disinformation uh, sites. And so, you know, people uh, have to be so careful that a site that looks like a, 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 a brand that they have heard of, that they're aware of, that they would think is at least somewhat trustworthy, could well be um, a site simply masquerading as a well-known brand with an entirely different purpose. Hmm. And so are there, Gordon, are there actual qualified journalists uh, or analysts sitting in uh, in rooms in Sydney or even in Auckland or somewhere else in New Zealand ac- actively doing this, actively looking at scrutinising on behalf of NewsGuard, running these scores and, and running a rule over a sample of the content? Yeah, we, we have people um, uh, in Sydney um, who are uh, reviewing Australian and New Zealand uh, sites, and we have people all, in all the countries in which um, we operate who have ex- some experience in those markets. The nine criteria that we selected when we first launched have turned out to be quite universal, that it is best practice, um, of course, as Radio New Zealand does, to explain its funding, who controls it, have a corrections policy, to not repeatedly publish false content. Um, You know, to, to journalists, these are all quite straightforward criteria, basic criteria. And again, have nothing to do with the politics. You could be a right-wing site or a left-wing site or a down-the-middle site. We don't. That's that's doesn't affect the criteria or the assessment at all. It's simply how well uh, does each publisher adhere to those basic journalistic criteria. That has turned out to be a powerful way to separate generally trustworthy sources of news from ones that consumers really should proceed with caution before relying upon. And Gordon, we've seen other sort of overseas efforts to assess trustworthiness of news launch uh, a New Zealand operation. Um, so, for example, PolitiFact, uh, which I think started out in the US, 
Then an, uh, an Australian operation had also launched here just briefly. That's where they will challenge and fact-check individual stories and then uh, produce a rating, which could be from uh, true through to, I think, pants on fire uh, was the other their, their version of the nutrition label you talk about, perhaps. Um, also, the Australian news agency, the AAP, uh, fact-checks sometimes uh, New Zealand stories as well as Australian ones, and those have been in- interesting. Uh, but I get that's that's the opposite approach, isn't it? When it looks there's something that has been called out, needs a check, they do it. Your approach is very different. Look at the content in, in the round and make an assessment um, of, of you know content of your choosing about whether it looks like it's the sort of site you can trust. Exactly. The, the fact checkers do their best. It doesn't scale well. The the amount of misinformation on the internet is so crushing that all the fact checkers in the world can't possibly catch up to it. What we found is that it's the same thousands of uh, sites that publish all the top false narratives. And so by rating at the domain level, at the source level, we're able to pre-bunk false content. So in other words, if a site routinely publishes Russian disinformation about the invasion of Ukraine, for example, Uh, You don't have to wait for a fact checker to catch up to uh, any particular story from that site. All the stories from that site will come with a warning, proceed with caution. And, you know, we think that that is the most effective way to give consumers the tools they need to be able to be selective about which sources they generally trust and which ones they generally distrust. And just finally, Gordon, how will we know when, if this is cutting through here in New Zealand, will it be when we see uh, a reference or whether perhaps we're in a library using a computer there and it pops up and we'll see the assessment by NewsGuard? I, I think um, uh, for people who are who use Microsoft Edge, that's a free service now from uh, Microsoft. Consumers can sign up for the other browser extensions uh, at a modest uh, price. One of the metrics that we use is that about a quarter of the uh, websites we've rated have uh, worked with our analysts to improve their score by improving their journalistic practices. And we would hope and expect that that would be true in New Zealand and Australia as well. Um, we want all of the sites to get 100, 100 out of 100. And actually, one, one thing great. we didn't talk about, though, Gordon, which I should mention, is that this is also something advertisers uh, should be concerned about or interested in because uh, you know we see when there's a, a scandal erupts or what a, a news media outlet does something terrible and sometimes advertisers are, are embarrassed to see their content in what turns out not to be a safe or <laughs> ethical uh, platform um, and so this this should be of interest to them as well indeed that's our our largest revenue line actually is working with advertisers with advertising agencies with ad tech companies to try to protect the brand safety of advertisers. Uh, Almost all the internet advertising these days is placed programmatically, meaning by computer, without any attention paid to the website where it's running. And there's about 2.6 billion US dollars a year unintentionally being spent by brands on low quality sites, on misinformation sites. Brands don't intend to advertise on these sites, but the computers put their ads there unless they take some step to keep the ads off. And we license our ratings uh, to brands and ad agencies and ad tech companies so that advertisers can do two things. One, keep their ads off of 
terrible misinformation sites, and two, steer their ads toward uh, sites that get high scores, even if they're new digital-only sites or uh, new sites that maybe the advertiser doesn't know much about. We go out of our way to find sites serving underserved uh, communities in each country, and we're uh, proud of that work and proud of the advertising that we're able to help uh, brands steer toward high-quality sites and to take away from Russian disinformation sites and healthcare hoax sites and other sources of misinformation. And has any site that scored low ever come back to you and complained and said, hey, you know, you, you just caught us on a bad day. We're not that bad. Try again. Give us a higher score. Yeah, I, I, there, there are a lot of uh, websites uh, that have gone from quite low scoring to quite high scoring. Typically, they're not uh, founded by journalists. They're founded by people who have a special interest in some topic. They put up a news site. And we ask them, you know, it looks like you don't have a corrections policy. And they'll say, what's a corrections policy? And we'll kind of explain it to them. They'll say, oh, that seems a good idea. I'll add one of those. And we've we've had quite a number of sites. Some of them are political in nature on all sides of politics, just run by people who are interested, uh, but not much experienced in journalism. Um, others could be enthusiasts of one kind. Uh, or another. So um, that certainly happens. And some large brands have um, kind of teetered right around the um, scores that divide between being uh, in in advertising list for high quality sites and, and not being on those lists. And we're gratified when those sites make changes to their practices also in order to get a higher score and to be in line for more advertising. Well, Gordon, you're a veteran of journalism. I hope you don't mind me putting it like that, but a former publisher at the Wall Street Journal. I mean, did you ever think that um, at this point in your career you would be engaged in this, this uh, after seeing the rise of the internet, that uh, you'd now be engaged in just trying to kind of clean it up at the back end, as it were? You know, I, I think maybe like um, you and some of your colleagues at Radio New Zealand, I, I never realized in my long career at the Wall Street Journal, I thought I was in the news business. I think actually we're in the trust business, that people need brands on which they can rely in order to understand what's going on in their community and their democracy. And uh, the internet has has made that so much more difficult uh, for consumers. And we're, we're happy if we can bring a bit more information to consumers about the sources of news and to restore trust in trustworthy brands and to alert consumers to the many thousands of sites um, for, uh, that are, are much less trustworthy. Mm, I mean, trust lifts and then in the end, hopefully people actually value it more. And you know, to me, that's that's the important thing. If people ask, do they trust the media? I would actually say, well, even if perhaps they don't use certain news services or don't have time for them or the inclination, they would certainly see the value to, uh, to the, the nation they live in or the society they're part of. Certainly agree with that. That was former Wall Street Journal publisher Gordon Krovitz, who's a co-founder of NewsGuard, a US-based outfit that rates the reliability of news services in several countries around the world, and which, as we heard there, has now set up a base in Sydney, which is also running the rule of the output of significant online news operations here.